This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. It's so good to be with you today. We're starting a brand new series called Life Hacks. And today, we're, we're going to do this today. We're going to do this for the next five weeks. We're going to take a passage of Scripture, look at it, and then as we look at the passage of Scripture, it's going to really show us personally how to hack certain areas of our lives. You know, we've all tried life hacks, which, how do I clean this? Or how do I do this in a simpler way? And the truth is the Bible has always been providing those for us. And we're going to look at passages that help us to do that in areas of our lives, like our marriage or as we parent and all of these other places that are so practical and so real places that many of us struggle. Today we're going to look at our soul. But before we get started, I just want to take a moment and really um, just express what God did over the past week. We really decided to go pretty hard after Holy Week and and celebrate Passover on Wednesday, Good Friday, and then uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I just want to give you just broad numbers. Uh, In total attendance over the whole week, we had over 900 people engage those services, which is remarkable. Uh, We had over 550 for Easter Sunday, but here's the the really big number that matters the most. Over 70 people, 71 people said yes to Jesus on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. That's a remarkable thing. If you served, if you give, you are a part of that, so thank you. God has just been up to something. Many of you, uh, that's your testimony. God's been working in your life, and I believe the next few weeks are going to be helpful for that as we dive into this. Just before we get started, uh, I have started reaching out to people just through a simple encouraging text message. If you um, would like to just receive some, maybe once a week, and I send out a note, and you, you can read it and just be encouraged. If you want to do that, you can text me at this number. You can text me at 704-237-6764. If you'll text me, it'll give you a link after you text in. If you don't fill out the link information, which then lets me know who you are and who I'm texting, I can't text you because you have to kind of go through that to give me permission to do that. But if you'll do that, I'll routinely, about once a week, send you just something that's encouraging. I'd love to do that. Now, we're going to read through a a psalm, Psalm 42, and I'd I'd love to do that together. So we're going to stand all across the room in honor of the Word of God. And then I'm going to read through it. This is Psalm 42 out of the New Living Translation. It begins, if you're reading from the text, for the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. There's so much in this when you read the psalm. So you might see this is a psalm of ascent. That meant that was a psalm that they sang as they were going to church. And you, you might see a psalm of David. That means David wrote that psalm. There's, there's a lot of stuff in here. And what we know from this is that this is for the director. That means it was used in worship services. And it's written by the sons of Korah, which gives us a, kind of a broad understanding of the time period in which it was written. That comes in uh, later. So I'm going to read through the text. Follow along as I do that. As the deer 
pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all of your waves and your breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Can we pray? Father, we just thank You for your word. And as we pause to reflect on what you're saying to us today through Psalm 42, God, I pray for liberty and freedom in our souls. Many of us come in struggling with anxiety and worry and depression. And God, there is freedom in you. So help us to see what you're saying, to receive what you're saying, to find the liberty and receive the liberty that you have for us today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to start today by dealing with the question, what's going on on the inside? What's going on on the inside? We spend a lot of our lives looking to the outside. But if you notice, this entire psalm, the psalmist is speaking to the inside of his life. If you paid attention throughout this psalm, you hear the word soul five times. And today, we're going to talk about the soul. We're going to talk about what's happening on the inside. If you're taking notes, here's the first observation I want to make. There's more to you than what I can see. There's more to you than what I can see. Now, when I look at you, I can see a lot. I can see your physical appearance. If I watch long enough, I can see your behaviors and see your decisions. But there is much more about you than what I can see. This is a remarkable, pervasive idea as we understand the way that God presents who we are in Scripture. Now, we believe that God is a triune God, that He is the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, presenting himself to us as distinctly three different persons, one God, three persons. And what's unique about it is the Bible teaches that not only is God triune, but we are triune. That we are body, soul, and spirit. And out of that, all that I can see of you is your body. That's it. I can't see your soul. I can't see your spirit. There's more to you than what I can see. This is remarkably apparent when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He answers this in Mark 12. Look at what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It's as if Jesus is answering and he's quoting the Old Testament here. He's saying, it's not just enough to love God with your strength out of your physical person. You've got to love God with everything you have. It's not just out of my, it's, it's I'm a three-part being and my, my job in life is to be loved and to love God with everything that I am. You see, as Christians, we believe that there's more to you than what we can see. This is why we get excited about 71 people who said yes to Jesus. Because we believe that there's something that's unseen that is rescued for eternity. Because there's a part of you that will live beyond what I can see. There's a part of every person you will encounter the person you get behind tomorrow morning when you run in a little late and they go in a little slow. There's a part of them that will last forever. The waitress who forgets to refill your drink. There's a part of her that will last forever. I want, I want you to see this and ask yourself this question, are you honoring that truth for yourself and for others? Are, are you treating your life in such a way that honors that there's something about me that I can't see that will last forever? This is why the Apostle Paul once said, hey, physical training is of some good, but don't neglect growing in godliness. Why is it? Because this, this is only going to last for a while. Are you neglecting that truth for yourself? Are you neglecting it for others? Every person you'll ever meet, even the person that's driving too slow and you're too late, Jesus died for that person. There's a soul that's represented there that will last longer than what you can see. There's more to you than what I can see. That's the first thing I want you to see today. But here's the second thing. Because that's true, we know we can look great on the outside, but be falling apart on the inside. You know, there, there's, a, there's a thing going on culturally today that is so dangerous. And that's that we feel like our lives have to be impressive to other people. 
I got to post the right pictures. Man, they got to see that I went to this restaurant. Y'all need to see this meal I had. Look at the people I'm hanging out with. Look at the fun. We just have bought into this idea that we have to be curating an impressive life. But what's so sad is so many of the people that are impressing you, their lives on the inside are falling apart. They look impressive on the outside. But what's going on on the inside is not so good. Y'all ever been there before just riding the Hot Mess Express? Anybody been there? Y'all raise your hand in just a confession. See, you're not alone. If that's you today, I want you to understand you're not alone. It's a place that all of us have been before. As a matter of fact, in the last few years, the pandemic exacerbated exposing this to our culture it got people at home and there were marriages that we thought that's the greatest family and we saw it crumble and fall apart and there were people that we thought man they're the best and then we saw their lives crumble and fall apart and here's the thing I told somebody about a year and a half ago and I'm just going to say this in this moment when you come to see something that you thought was beautiful and God reveals it to you as broken, thank the Lord for it because oftentimes we will trust in things that are broken more than we trust in God. Thank God. God, thank you for showing me that. Often even in our own selves. We've seen it. And I think that we need to be reminded that everyone is fighting a battle that you cannot see and you do not understand. We've all been there where we show up to church, you know, and we got all dressed up and our kids all look nice, but we were fighting all the way to church. You ever been there before? You have. We all have. Everything looks so good, but you don't know the battles that they're fighting. This is true of the person you get behind that's going slow. This is true of the waitress that forgot to refill your drink. Everybody is doing that. I believe that's why Ephesians 4, this advice is so good. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. God forgave your debt with him. You need to be willing to forgive other people's debts to you. Be kind, be compassionate. We're all a mess on the inside. That's every one of us. That's me included. You might still be. Maybe today you're, you're, you come in and you just are, you're dealing with a big old mess on the inside. That's why you need to know this. Number three, authentic life happens on the inside and then it flows to the outside. See, this is a remarkable concept in our culture because we try to reverse engineer life. We try to think, if I could fix everything on the outside, then what's on the inside will get fixed. And that's not the way the Bible teaches life. Life is on the inside, and then it flows to the outside. That's why some of y'all are in marriages that aren't going real well, and you think, well, if we can fix this, and they do this, and then we could get into this, and we could go on this trip, and we could, get all, we could do all of these things, all of these circumstances could align. We'd finally be in a place that it'd be good. And really what, you can change your marriage by changing what's going on on the inside of you. Authentic life happens 
on the inside. But so many times what we're addressing and even what we want God to address in us is stuff that's happening on the outside. But think about it. Did you surrender your, G- your life to Jesus because you needed him to make you prettier? Did you, when you came to Jesus in that moment of repentance, did you surrender because you're like, God, I just need to run faster? I, I, I need you to make me smarter? No. One of the most universal principles for the gospel is that the entry point for the gospel is us admitting I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I've blown it. There's something on the inside of me that's not right. We come to Jesus because of that. I'm like, God, I need you to fix this. This is broken in me. And what it is is life. Life is broken. Jesus came to transform the substance of who you are to change you from the inside out. I've heard it said that conventional oven cooks from the outside in, a microwave oven cooks from the inside out. That's why you don't put eggs in the microwave. Can I hear an amen? Somebody has messed that up before, okay? God's like a microwave. He works from the inside out. John... 10 verse 10 this is Jesus speaking the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance this is Jesus speaking the whole reason he came was to give you life but you have an enemy that wants to steal that life wants to kill that life wants to rob you of all the things that God wants to give you And that enemy will crush that life if you'll let him. And that life that Jesus wants to give you, it happens on the inside. I want you to think about this. How often do you stop and reflect on what's happening on the inside? How often do you do that? I mean, our life is so busy. There's so many things for us to consider and do. We've got to go there and be there. And I've got to do this. And I've got so many things on my to-do list today. I won't be able to get it all done. How often do you, do you press pause and just get alone in front of God and say, God, I need you to show me what's happening on the inside of me today. I need to stop. I need to press pause. And the reason we need to do that is number four. We cannot ignore what's happening on the inside. For too many of us, this has been the way we've dealt with the negative emotions in our lives. We feel the anxiety, but we try to ignore it. We feel the fear, the depression, but we think if I don't give it optics, it'll get better. I feel the sadness. I feel the grief, but I just try to, I try to get my mind out of that space. I just try to move on. I don't want to pay attention to what's happening to the inside of me. Now I want you to hear why this is so important. We're living through an epidemic right now. We're living through an epidemic of anxiety and depression. Now, this is before the pandemic. 
Culturally, we are the most medicated group in the history of the world. And I'm not saying that that stuff, that there's not a place for it. There is. There's, we, we don't have any problem taking a Claritin around this time of year because we know it'll help us not sneeze. There's nothing wrong with taking medication. But there's something wrong with just going to a pill when I really need to go into my heart and see what's going on. Because the pill alone is not always the solution. And this isn't just for us. It's for our kids. Right now, therapists and counselors that are working in schools are seeing anxiety and fear and depression at levels that they've never seen it before. I need you to understand that this is, this is so important. Look, we're going to put this on the screen. The solution is never to ignore the problem. Some of y'all have had some problems and you thought they're just going to get better if we'll give it some time. And all you're doing is ignoring the problem. The solution is never ignore. That's not the solution. The solution is address. And there's stuff for many of us that's been happening on the inside and we're just trying to ignore. Push it away. Don't look at that. Don't. We're just kind of move beyond that. I, and it's wrecking your life. Are you doing that? Are you ignoring what's going on on the inside? I want to go back to the text today. And I really want you to see how Psalm 42 gives us three practical things to help hack our soul. Okay, so that's the term. If you're a, above a certain age, you might not understand. That's it's kind of a shortcut, okay? You know, a life hack is, it's kind of a shortcut to cleaning something or to doing laundry. It's all this stuff that's shared on the internet. But here's the thing. The Bible, thousands of years old, still gives us practical, applicable advice that matters today. I want to talk first before we get into it about what the soul is. The soul represents our inner life. For, for a Western concept, it would be our heart's and our minds together. This is the idea of our soul. And this is important because the soul as a heart and mind is the root of emotion and the origin of thought. So when we think about our inner life, the emotions that we're encountering, the thoughts that we're encountering, this is our soul. So much so that I'd say that emotion is the language of our soul. There's something going on and too many times we ignore what's going on to try to just move on to the next thing. So I'm going to go back to this and I'm going to give you three things that this psalm shows us to do when we're struggling emotionally. Here's the first one. We need to learn to label your emotions. We need to learn to label our emotions. Now, for some of y'all, y'all like, I don't, I don't even like emotions. Okay? It shows. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Okay? I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to know. But you've got, here's, if you went to a counselor today, one of the first things that they would work with you on is saying, let's be able to articulate what's happening on the inside of you. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed within me? Do you notice how articulate the psalmist is about what's happening on the inside? Why is he so articulate? Because he's taken some time to dig in, to know it, to label it, to identify it. When you're struggling emotionally, you've got to be able to label what you're going through. Now, we spent some time last week talking about this, and I want to give you a framework for this. The major emotions that we deal with are happiness, sadness, fear, disgust, anger, and surprise. Now, there are many, many other emotions, but these are called primary emotions. So last week we talked about, if you were here for Easter, how anxiety, depression, dread, and worry are secondary emotions connected to fear. Okay, so these are the six primary emotions. And the thing is, is that so many of us don't have the capacity to even go to the six and say, I'm feeling a little sad today. Oh, you know what? I was surprised by that and that caught me off guard and now I'm feeling kind of anxious about it. We don't, we don't have the ability. Why? Because we're not self-aware to look inside. Are you self-aware enough to get inside and to start identifying within you what's happening within you? Parents, can I just help you for a second? If you've got young children, this is one of the best things that you can be doing with your kids. Our kids will get all worked up and they don't even know why they're worked up. And if you know this, you've been around kids enough, you know this is how it works. They'll get all worked, they'll start acting out. They'll be, nobody likes me. They'll be all, you know, very boisterous in their attitude, all this other kind. And they don't even know, they can't identify what's going on on the inside. It's set them down. What's going on? What are you feeling? Tell me. I need you to be able to tell me. Well, I'm, I'm, they were rude. Well, no, what are you feeling? Not what did they do. What are you feeling? And we've kind of come up with this phrase with our, well, use your words. Use your words. Tell me what, tell me. I want you to tell me. Now here, I have a friend who recently told me, you know, the things we do with our kids are pretty good for us to do to ourselves. You're, sometimes you just need to give yourself a timeout, you know? Sometimes you need to be like, you're not talking for 10 minutes. Same things. It's part of leading. You're the hardest person in your life to lead. You are. And you know, we need to be able to get inside our souls and see what we're feeling. You know why? Because you'll never win a battle that you don't know you're fighting. If you're dealing with anger, but you think it's their fault, you're not going to win that war. Because you're going to be fighting against them and really the problem's in you. If you're dealing with control and you keep thinking, well, if they would, if they do, no, if it's in you, you're never going to win that battle. If you can't figure out what's happening inside of you, you're not going to be able to label and identify the battle that you're in. And you're not going to win the battle if you don't know you're fighting it. The psalmist, real clear, Sold, you know, speaking to himself. Why are you so disturbed? What he's saying is what? Caught off guard. Why, why, are you caught, why were you caught off guard? Why so downcast? Why are you feeling sad? 
He's aware of what's happening on the inside of him. We've got to learn to label our emotions, number one. And then number two, this is so good. You got to remember what God has done in similar circumstances. You've been living life long enough, you've been to that place before. Not the exact place, but a place that was similar. I love what the psalmist says in verse four. Look at this. Now, this is, they're in exile. The son, that's why it's the, the identity of sons of Korah is really important. That means that they were taken away by the Babylonians. And he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throne. What he's saying is, God, right now I'm in the midst of some people who are taunting you. They have messed up our worship. They have taken away our temple. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind myself there was a time that we went to the temple together. There was a time that you protected us and we got to worship freely and I'm trusting you that there's going to be another day just like that. I remember what you did before. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, you've got stories. Okay? And sometimes you just need to remind yourself you remember that time you didn't have a job? You didn't know what to do? You got down on your knees and you prayed and God showed up. God gave you a job. You remember that time you were so lost and so broken that you were contemplating hurting yourself and then, and then God showed up through a friend. Remember that. God's not going to leave you alone. You remember when you, when you thought financially you were ruined. You were ruined. And then God showed up. And he got you through that. He's going to get you through this. Sometimes you got to remind yourself. Now, some of y'all have not been following Jesus long enough to know those stories. And here's what you need to do. You need to get around some people who have been through some of the stuff you're struggling with. And just say, hey, can you tell me your stories? I need to hear them. And what happens when we're, when we're willing to share those stories is it begins to elevate our faith and it begins to elevate the faith, the faith of others that are struggling with the same, same thing. This was very important to the people of God. See, the people of God in the Bible made remembering and sharing the things God has done in the past a significant feature of their lives. They did. Okay? So God meets Jacob and Bethel and they, they build a monument and they, they dig a well and they, they rename the town. I mean, it, it's just, there was so much. I mean, we went through Passover this past week. The, the Jews still celebrate Passover as a way of retelling and remembering God delivering them out of Egypt. Now, I, I want you to hear this. There are some stories that need to be retold. Some of you got them. You need your grandkids sitting around your feet, listening, telling them them stories of how God showed up in your life. You didn't know what you were going to do. You didn't know what, you, what end was up. You, and God came in. God saved you, rescued your marriage, rescued your life. Now, y'all listen to me. Some of us are guarding our image too well. 
Because you don't want to tell your story because you think it's going to make you look bad. Y'all listen. You got to be willing to show the mess so that people can see the message. If not, it's just all about you and how good you were and how faithful you were. There are stories of where God showed up when your life was a mess that other people need to hear. Can we just press pause? That's why some of y'all need to get baptized. Baptism is an outward sign of something that God has done on the inside. It's an outward display of a life redeemed and reconciled to God. And we don't just dunk you in the water. We actually tell your story. So if you sign up to get baptized, the next slide shows the the link there. We'd love to have you do that. We're going to be baptizing next week. You can go to the guest services. They have a QR code that you can scan. We don't just dunk you. We tell your story. And some of your stories are so good they need to be told. They need to be shared within the community of faith that you call home. Some of you need to know that when you go through a tough time, you can look back on what God has done and you can encourage your soul with what He's done for you in the past. And then number three, what do we do? How do we process the negative things in life? Number three, we trust God with it. That seems so simple. I can remember as a young man, just being tore up, so anxious and fearful about something in my life. And my wife, who was at that time my girlfriend, came to me and she said, you know, Kevin, it really is very simple. You just need to trust God with it. It is that simple. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says this twice throughout Psalm 42. He ends with the refrain that was repeated earlier and I think verse 8. Verse 11 says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Why do things go wrong on the inside? Things go wrong on the inside because we trust the wrong things. We put our hope in the wrong things. For some of us, stuff has gone wrong on the inside because you trusted a person and they weren't who they said they were. For some of us, it's because we've trusted ourselves in our way above the way that Jesus would have had you live. So think about it just practically. What are you trusting today in your marriage? Some of us have some stuff going on in our marriage. What are you trusting? Are you trusting God with your marriage? Think about your kids. Some of us have some stuff going on with our kids and we're worried about it. We're stressed about it. What are you trusting as you parent your children? What are you trusting within your job? What are you trusting to define success? What are you trusting for your emotional strength? What are you trusting for your physical health? If you're not trusting God, you're trusting something that will fail you.
It's not a question for, for us today of, of should I trust another person? Okay, if you're getting married, you ought to be able to look into their eyes and say, I trust you. All right, you, you, you going into business with somebody, you ought to be able to look in their eyes and say, I trust you. The, the bigger question is what do you trust supremely? Where's your greatest hope place? Where, where is your supreme trust anchored? And for many of us, the reason that stuff is so broken and askew on the inside is not because there's stuff on the outside that's so broken and askew. It's how we're dealing with the inside. It's what we've trusted, what we've hoped in. Which is why this verse out of Isaiah is so helpful. Look at this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's an area in your life that's not at peace. It's not that person's fault. It's not the circumstance or the situation. The reason it's not at peace is because you have not trusted God with it. Crossing the Sea of Galilee, Jesus in the boat with his disciples. A storm comes up upon them and they are scared to death. But Jesus is asleep at perfect peace. Why? Because you can have peace in the, the middle of the storm when you trust the right thing. And some of us, we need to see that the reason, the foundation crack that has caused the anxiety and the worry and the fear and the turmoil and the brokenness is that we have trusted in the wrong things. So maybe for you today, there's something that you need to surrender to God. Think about it. Maybe you're stressed about your marriage and you need to surrender it to God. Maybe you're stressed about your, your, your finances and you need to surrender it to God. Maybe it's a dream about your future and you're stressed about it. You feel like it's lost. You need to surrender it to God. We're going to pray. And as we do, I want you to ask the Lord today, God, what do you, what do you want me to surrender to your hands today? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.